Hey, Jake, what's uh, your boss like? Do you like your boss? Uh, yeah, I do like my boss. They're pretty cool. How would you compare them, uh, like, better or worse than Morpha from Ocarina of Time? Uh, I'd say better. Um, like, significantly better. Significantly better? Okay. Um, I think we should make a list to, to really figure this out. I want to know how good this boss is. Cool. Let's discuss this right now. Let's do some Zelda, some leak noises. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You're just so much better than mine. I can't, uh, I can't do impressions of Link. Anyway, welcome everyone to Region Unlocked, this awesome gaming podcast about games, what stuff? Yeah, yeah, I know. My name's Cameron, <laughs> and hey, I'm Jake. And today we are recording on August 20th, 2022. It's just weird that we're recording this right now, but our first episode back doesn't come out till next week as we're recording. But these people have already heard that episode. What a weird loop that we're in. You know, that really is kind of weird, Cameron. It's almost like the stuff we're covering most of the time. It's like they're listening to retro stuff. Stuff what? that's old, <laughs> which is mostly what we talk about. Yeah, I was mm. I was thinking about that this week about this podcast in general and how cool it is as like a it's like a perfect time capsule, really. You know, it's a better mm-hmm. time capsule than an actual time capsule with just junk in it where yeah, we can listen to this like 10 years from now. And then be nostalgic about this nostalgia here, you know, be like, yeah. oh, yeah, I remember back when Jake was in Japan and and we did this podcast and it, and we can listen back to it and just hear how we were doing. And I just I think that's really cool, regardless of uh, how many listeners we actually have. I know one of those <laughs> listeners is future us. Hey, future us. How's it going? I hope the future is OK. We appreciate you. And for you listening right now. For all this work that we did for you in the past. I, I agree, Cameron. This is actually really good. It's it's like a, a video journal or a video. Uh, There's no video. video. Audio. Sorry. <laughs> an audio journal or an audio diary, if you will. You know, so much that we've already done, so much that we've already covered. I've Seriously. forgotten about. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious to listen to again at some point to be like, oh, I remember that. And then, then we'll need to start another podcast where we reflect on this one. Exactly. So in 10 years' time, we need to start a Region Unlocked special edition or a version 2, two. or whatever. Region Unlocked yes. 2. <laughs> region Unlocked 2, where we talk about the nostalgia of our original Region Unlocked. No video games, just a uh, criticism of our old <laughs> saga. All right. Agreed. See you in 10 years. <laughs> Until then, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, Cameron. It's been a decent uh, day today, and well, I can't say too much has changed from the normal um, loop of things, essentially in Japan. But uh, I mean, we just got true. off. That's oh, not true. It's, I, I was just gonna segue to what you're about to segue. I was gonna say we <laughs> oh, haven't perfect. seen each other in two weeks because you've been in. I've been in Kyoto. A wonderful city. Ooh. 
Yeah, the historical capital of Japan, the very center of Japan, essentially. Um, a few hour uh, bullet train ride from Tokyo, and I spent most of my previous week in Kyoto, which was my summer vacation. And it was really cool because I planned to go to Kyoto and just, you know, spend a day or two there, but I ended up spending about five days there. Oh, did you? <laughs> I did. About, and I don't remember how many days it was exactly, but what I did was I just took a backpack and all my essentials and I didn't have any plans. I just went and I backpacked across Kyoto and I spent a few time, uh, time sensitive days there because I wanted to enjoy my time. Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Kyoto is amazing. It's like a super traditional city and a lot of the architecture there and a lot of what you see is very, very old. And it's yeah. essentially what you think of when you think of traditional Japan. It's super different than Tokyo, which is very modern. So, like, um, I visited a lot of historical sites and just walked around and tried to act like a local, as horrible as it was. I visited some pretty cool places, for sure. Yeah? <laughs> but what's something cool you saw? What are many cool things that I saw? I saw... This time, not only the Nintendo headquarters, which was a little bit different than the last time I saw it. Uh, for some reason, when I visited the Nintendo headquarters this time, there were a lot more security cameras around the outer walls. Mm -hmm. And this was compared to just a couple of years ago when I visited just to uh, sightsee. And this time when I saw it, there were a lot more security cameras and there were a lot more guards around the premises. Mm -hmm. And... It was still cool to see, and I saw a lot more Nintendo employees just out and about hanging around, too. Uh, one of the dudes was uh, actually the guy that I was in line with at um, one of the convenience stores, and we chatted for a second, basically, oh, excuse me, no, you're okay. And <laughs> <laughs> when we exited the building, he went back into the Nintendo building, and I'm just like, oh, cool. I talked to an employee in Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> he could have probably helped develop one of the games that I grew up with. Maybe. Did you, yeah, you didn't start the fire there, did you? No, I, d I didn't start the fire. Maybe I did. Uh, Who knows? You know there was a fire, right? Did you see that? There's an article about that. A what? Yeah, there was a, a, a fire coming out of like a third story window, but the Nintendo oh, employees put it out before the fire department got there. Oh, heavens. Well, I hope I had, I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of cameras now if that's the case. <laughs> yes, that's the case. But uh, so I saw the Nintendo HQ and the cool thing about this trip was I went to visit the original Nintendo headquarters, which was a building that was, I don't know, a five minute train ride away. And it's very unremarkable, but it's a hotel now. And it oh. has the plaque on the front in Japanese and English that states Nintendo playing card company. So this was where Nintendo started out. Is it just a standard hotel, or is there, like, a Nintendo theme to it when you're inside? It's a standard hotel with, uh, I guess, an homage to Nintendo, because you can actually see artifacts and things in there that okay. were associated with the original company. And they're aware of what they are, essentially. So okay. I looked up uh, <laughs> room rates, and it's about 600 US dollars a night. Oh, dang. I'm not sure if that's because of the demand, but uh, I guess that makes sense because of the significance. Never, nevertheless, um, it's still pretty cool. 
maybe one day I'll get to stay there or whatever. Yeah. But it's just a hotel and it's cool. And I got to take a picture in front of it. Do you know, is there a, is there a Mario hotel in Super Mario World? I have no idea. <laughs> I wonder if, what that is. How have you still not been there? No, are, you because... just, are you just saving it for me to come over there? Uh, yeah, I think that'll give me a new excuse to go back down because it's expensive. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> isn't that in Osaka? Yep, it's in oh, Osaka. Osaka, yeah, that's not where you were. <laughs> well, so Osaka and Kyoto are like super close together. It's like yeah. Minneapolis-St. Paul kind of deal. Okay. So, All yeah. Right. And uh, Nintendo is the whole uh, theme of my previous adventure. But I also visited uh, Fushimi Inari Shrine, which mm-hmm. is the super famous um, mountain in Japan where you have all those uh, shrine gates that are like stacked on a trail. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it goes on for miles and you think you're, you know, finishing the entire loop when you've only just started. It takes a couple of hours to do the whole thing, but I hiked the summit of the mountain And it was amazing. I took some videos of that, but that was kind of an eye-opening experience because I'd never done that before. I'd only gone there previously with tour groups, and Mm -hmm. those were super basic. We'd hike for a couple minutes, but this time I got to go to the top of the mountain, and it was breathtaking. It's something that I would definitely take anyone who came to visit me to go do. It's worth it. Okay. So expect to do it, Cameron. All right. (laughs) That sounds great. And I feel like yeah. I was there with you because I went and watched Bullet Train, which t- follows the route of Tokyo to Kyoto, which you did too. Hopefully yours yes. was a, a calmer uh, trip. That movie was Yeah, for good. sure. It was funny. That's awesome. I-, I look forward to seeing it. I can assure you, though, <laughs> the trip down is not very remarkable when you've done it a few times. Yeah. Understood. Well, cool. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I've been busy with school. School has started back at Jeff this year, and it's been a really good start to the year so far. I'm enjoying being back, and I was just curious, because I know I advertised this podcast to Frontier Kids before I left, and Frontier Kids, I still miss you. I miss Frontier. It's an awesome school, but Jeff is really close and pays me a lot more, but... um, (laughs) You know, I was able to go in this summer and really start making it more my classroom, painting the walls, putting up my posters, because last year I took over for a guy who quit, you know, during Thanksgiving break, and it was just a, a bland, boring room. And so it feels a lot more mine now, and I like that. Um, but I'm curious, if you are a student or past student of me or Mr. Everett's here, send us an email. I just want to know. Region Unlocked Podcast at gmail.com. Say hey. Because, I, yeah, I I'm probably miss you. Maybe. Yeah. Depends on who you are. Me too. And I'm interested as well, now that you bring that up. I, I know a lot of the people who did listen to this. I wonder if you're still listening. I'd love to hear from you. I have yeah. not forgotten you. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, other than that, what I've been up to is I finished the Console Wars book last night. And... I wanted to give my final report on it. I believe last week I was talking about the launch of Sonic 2 with Sonic Tuesday. And here we go. Let's finish it out. So Sonic 2 and, you know, all their efforts with Sonic really helped push Sega. 
pushed them eventually to top. They were kings of advertising, and they knew how to promote. These these guys in charge at Sega with uh, like Tom Kalinske and Al Nilsson, they were incredible. Just I'm so impressed with that staff because really, I feel like the Genesis was a lot of it was all flash and not that much substance to where yes they had good games uh, especially with looking at like sonic and echo the dolphin and a few other ones while nintendo just kind of held steady nintendo was like we're not going to take the low ground we're just going to make good games and keep our heads down while really sega their marketing was crazy like mean against nintendo where i'm i'm actually not sure what how that went away the smear campaigns against other companies like all their commercials literally have nintendo products in their commercials comparing them side by side and i tried to look up an answer like why is that not a thing anymore and i couldn't really find one but really like they trashed nintendo hard and eventually sega did take over the market share they had 55 percent of the market which, you know, when they started out, Nintendo had 90. So mm. to beat out Nintendo like that was huge. And eventually that, that flipped a switch for Nintendo. And like, okay, we need to step it up in terms of how we're advertising and, you know, trying to not just look like we're a toy for kids. Because that's what Sega had done. They had basically said, you're a baby if you play this toy. <laughs> and so they tried to get that turned around. And at the same time, Tom Kalinske being thinking of the future, he could tell, even though they were on top, like something just fell off. The future was not looking good. And so they're trying to prepare for the next generation. And he was in talks with Sony and Silicon Graphics to help make their next console. But Sega of Japan was just like, no, we're not going to use them. Silicon Graphics, their chip's too big. Too big? Too big for what? It's too big. (laughs) What are you talking about? Okay, bye. What? And... Yeah, Sega of Japan, this weird dichotomy between Sega of Japan and America, Japan hated the American team. And I don't know the details because, you know, their Japanese business, they're so secretive and uh, in terms of how they deal with each other. And (laughs) they hated Sega of America because it really looks like because the American team was just doing so well, but also so non-Japanese in how they did it. I suppose, mm. you know, what was happening here in America was not happening in Japan in terms of sales. So they just started shutting down all their ideas and really just muzzling Sega of America. And after they had said no to Silicon Graphics, even though they had made this incredible chip, of course, Silicon Graphics went to Nintendo. And so mm. they helped make the N64 at the time, you know, codenamed Project Reality and then Ultra 64. But everyone looking to make a next gen at the time, uh, you know, Sega with the Saturn, Sony with their PSX, were 32-bit. <laughs> while Nintendo with Silicon Graphics leapfrogged, and they were working mm. on 64-bit. So it what? didn't come out at the same time. It came out a year later, and they even delayed it a little bit because of what happened here next. There was one guy, I don't remember his name. He was big in Japan. Like, please let me go find a non-Japanese developer. I promise a non-Jap, like we can make a good game. It doesn't have to come from Japan. They're like, all right, fine. Here's some money. Go make a game. And he found Rare. And so they start secretly working on this game. 
eventually he has uh, the American president, Arakawa, come in said, all right, check out what we're making. And he is blown away, sees Donkey Kong Country in its glory. And he's like, wow, are all of our N64 games going to look this good? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is on Super Nintendo. He's like, what? What are you talking about? And so they announced Donkey Kong Country and everyone was blown away. Like, seriously, (laughs) that game looks so freaking good. Yeah, it does. It, it's amazing. And so that gives Nintendo this huge second wind. They've got Donkey Kong coming out. They're redoing their, their branding strategies, and uh, they've reshuffled a few people on top. They're turning things around. Donkey Kong Country went on to be one of their best-selling games, with the best one being Super Mario World, but that was a pack-in, so that doesn't really count. And uh, because of this, Nakayama, the Japanese president of Sega he has a meeting with Tom Kalinske and they had been planning the launch of the Saturn and it was going to come out fall time. I forget the exact date. They had it planned and marketed. It was called Sega Saturday. Everyone get excited for Sega Saturday and Nakayama in this meeting says the Saturn was already out in Japan. He says it's, it's doing actually pretty well here and we need to get ahead. We, we need to get ahead of PlayStation and Nintendo. We need to launch it earlier. Tom Kalinske, he's, he's like, no, this is a bad idea. We can't do this. And mm. they kept arguing and arguing, and Nakayama just left the restaurant. Oh, That was it. That was pretty much the nail in the coffin for their relationship. And so at E3 in May, months before this was supposed to go out, he went up and, you know, with a smile on his face while hiding all of his anger, says, yep, here's our, our next generation, and it is on store shelves right now. And I know we, we talked about this back in one of our earlier episodes, but I just I didn't understand the details at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, uh, retailers were furious because they did not have all of their promised shipments ready. They still needed four more months. They had about a third of their Saturns ready. Hmm. So they needed to decide, okay, do we just give all these retailers a fraction of what they ordered? Or do we give the big ones their full order and the little ones nothing? They just, they were not ready. And of course, it went on to be a flop. Hmm. Yeah, that that kind of... Was it at, at that point? A lot of these big guys at at Sega had started resigning, and it was just that was it. Oh, and, and a bigger nail in the coffin. They he said, "Okay, it's out now, and it's going to be three ninety nine. Okay, right. three ninety nine is pretty expensive. Yeah, I mean, especially I mean, this is what nineteen ninety five. Yeah, and then after that, the guys from Sony come up. This is a famous E3 speech. The head Sony guy announces like, all right, here's a, here's, what was his name? Race? I think his name was Race. Anyway, so Race comes out, just leans on the mic and says, $2.99 and walks off. That was it. Oh, snap. Yeah. And so their biggest competition is $100 less. And that was it. So they all, they all retired. Uh, Kalinske awesome guy just a, a marketing genius he went on to focus more on educational entertainment and he was behind leapfrog you know leapfrog okay. was real big when we were young yeah 
another one I don't remember, and Blackboard, if you remember using Blackboard yep. in college. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad he focused on education. That's pretty cool. And yeah, I, I think he might still be, he might be a board member at Sega now. I don't remember. Okay. But still, hmm. so impressed with this book, the story it told. Um, there is a documentary that follows the book that is on Amazon Prime that I'm going to watch next. I'm very interested to see video representation of all this. <laughs> but uh, maybe you don't need to read it now that I've given such a good uh, summary of it. But there's a lot of interesting details in it. Just like watching or reading about what's going through Nintendo's head and their director's head as the Mar- Super Mario movie gets created. And <laughs> just like some cool details you wouldn't even think of. Yeah. And... Um, oh, here's one stupid anecdote. You know, Sega is known, or the Genesis was known for blast processing. You ever heard that? It was in their advertisements. It's like, yes, Genesis got blast processing in your face. Look at all this 90s, these 90s ads just yelling at you. And <laughs> so they needed something to combat Mode 7 because Nintendo is... They're advertising, oh, we've got Mode 7, and that's what makes Super Mario Kart look so good. Uh-huh. So their advertisers, Sega's, are like, uh, do we have anything like that? Anything we can advertise? And they find out Blast Processing, and it actually wasn't even called that. I don't remember what it was called, but Blast Processing sounded a lot sexier. So okay. they put out this ad of this drag racer going down this strip, and it's got a TV mounted on the back of it. It's like, Sega's got Blast Processing! And <laughs> You know, it's just flying down the road while it's flashing images of different games. And uh-huh. then it shows Nintendo and it's just this broken down milk truck. And it's got <laughs> Mario Kart playing on the back of the milk truck, just kind of like puttering down the road. <laughs> In the meantime, as but like while they're planning this, they're like, well, what does Blast Processing do? Is that what makes the game so fast? And they're like, uh, not really. It's the comparison was it's like spots on a cheetah. They're not really making it <laughs> do anything. And okay. so it was nothing. Blast processing wasn't anything. But they, they really hammered in it's marketing. to make people think it was cool. Yeah, that's marketing. Yeah, that's all you do. You say something that sounds more appealing, and that's what people go for. Blast processing. You're right. That sounds exciting. That sounds fun. I want to know what blast processing is. <laughs> you know, add in a dash of that surrealist crazy absurdist 90s advertising and you've got a whole show yeah that's beautiful well there you go speaking of whole show we could end this episode here because we've gone on for a very long time (laughs) but that's okay um so let's let's not spend a super long time on this jake but let's get into it okay let's do it Our topic today, we wanted to talk about Zelda bosses. You know, bosses in Zelda are pretty iconic. A lot of big baddies here. And we wanted to talk a little bit about what are our favorite ones? What makes them so good? And then maybe a little comparison. Are the bosses as good as the dungeons that they're in? Or are the dungeons better? Is the boss better? So let's talk about that. Where do you want to start, Jake? First off, actually, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Before we get into these, are there any notable 2D bosses from Zelda games? You know, I thought about that really long and hard before we did this episode. That's what she said. And that's <laughs> that's something that I uh, had a hard time with. 
Because um, I've played a lot of 2D Zelda games, and yeah. there are very, very few that actually stick out. In fact, I can't remember any, and I thought to myself, why? It's because, well, first off, you're dealing with pixels and a much mm -hmm. smaller visual arena. range. Arena, yeah. And on top of that, the biggest thing that I came to the conclusion of was the sound effects are all the same, and the sounds mm -hmm. that are made are all the same. So none really stick out. The only one that I can actually think of is like uh, when I tried to defeat Onox on um, Zelda Oracle of Seasons because yeah. he's a two-part boss. He's an Iron Knuckle, and then he turns into a dragon, which is basically um, like top-down perspective to 2D side-scrolling. Yeah. And that's the only thing that I remember. What about you, Cameron? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking really with those 2D Zelda games, there's just there's only so much you can do with that combat mm -hmm. style and that visual style mm -hmm. where really I feel like every single 2d Zelda game has very, very similar boss fights just because mechanically it can't get more impressive. So I couldn't really think of any either other than maybe like Yuga Ganon. I think that's what it's called at the end of, a link between worlds because that's got some mechanics of going into the wall and firing arrows around the room. But yeah, other than that, not a lot. Yeah, same here. Couldn't think of many. It's all the older games that are 3D. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's talk about those. Cool. Let's let's just uh, let's do our top five and then maybe elaborate on some others as we as we feel like it. Absolutely. Uh, first, before we start that. I thought of an original list of basically things that most or all Zelda bosses have in common Ooh. because uh, there's a very similar pattern with Zelda games. That's true. So <laughs> I can't believe I thought of this, but th there was a, a, a GIF once online that I saw on YouTube that was paired with Zelda boss music from Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And it was this woman who was doing this like spinning trick with this pot on her head and... <laughs> So sure. that was number one, spinning. Zelda bosses like to spin. <laughs> Have you ever mm. thought about that? There, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And when they spin, that's basically their shield mode. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. So spinning, that's okay. number one. Number two, hit them in the eye. Yes, they, they love eyes. <laughs> it's <laughs> always true. a weak point. And if you think about it, um, when they redid uh, Majora's Mask... On the 3DS, mm -hmm. they redid the entire strategy for each of the bosses to hit a random eye that pops out of them. Yeah, that's a good point. It's crazy. Anyway, number three, reveal their weak point. Oh no, there's a giant chest plate covering something. It pops open and they're incapacitated. What do you do? You run up and you hit, the, you hit them. So Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize how many things in common these had. Yes. But there you go. Three things that most Zelda bosses have in common. That they do. <laughs> All so right, yeah, I guess we really got to find the ones that are unique here. Yeah. And there, there are a couple. It's true. There's a whole combination to that entire strategy that makes some of them very interesting and some of them very memorable for whatever reason. Let's go ahead and kick off this list with our number five. Mine is Phantom Ganon. Phantom Ganon. He is mm -hmm. on my list. Point. Really? Point. Awesome. Phantom Ganon. 
let's be honest here. He's a cool boss. He's not only the, I guess, tutorial for fighting Ganondorf later on. Yeah. But the whole atmosphere of him, where you fight him and what he represents and when you fight him, for me, was most memorable. Like, you're in this gallery of this ancient, I don't know, mansion. There's mm -hmm. paintings all around you. And he flies out of the paintings. That's cool. That's unique. It is cool. I do feel like, yes, him being a phantom does match like the Poe sisters. Mm -hmm. However, I, f I also feel like the aesthetic, other than the Poe sisters, doesn't really quite fit being in the Forest Temple. Because, okay. you know, Forest Temple is very overgrown and, uh, yeah. and really temple -y. Really, like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the columns and things like that. And then to yeah. be in like a mansion room doesn't mm -hmm. quite fit and you know dealing with well i guess we did we shoot portraits as well yeah oh the portraits of the post sisters train you for this fight don't they yeah hmm well then maybe i'll, huh. I'll take a step back i guess it's not that out of place it's certainly memorable if you think about yeah. it yeah i agree mm. good fight good fight yeah. agreed my number five would be Stall Lord from Twilight Princess because this is the best use of the spinner in that game because after this fight, you don't really use the spinner again. But just banking back and forth off those walls and hovering over the sinking sand is just a very fun concept that no, no Zelda game had done before. That's true. It's fun a very satisfying boss fight, isn't it? Yeah. And he's on my list. Ooh, Stall Lord. Two he's points. pretty cool. And unfortunately, he's just kind of like forgettable. Yeah. I guess in the story sense, but like we all remember him as a boss fight. He was cool. He was fun. And like you're basically riding a roller coaster to beat him. Mm hmm. You know? And that's the coolest thing about him. A several parter boss. So, yeah. Stall Lord. Good dungeon. Good dungeon. Definitely. What, what else you got? Number four from Majora's Mask, Goat. Goat. Oh, yeah. So I was really thinking about Majora's Mask because that's a tough one with only four bosses and then a final boss. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that one is pretty fun rolling as a... As a Goron. A Goron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. He's a cool boss and he's weird and unique. It's like a steampunk mechanized steam-powered goat type thing and he's huge yeah. he's mm -hmm. just frozen you unfreeze him boom starts running in this massive circle and the only way you can catch up to him is if you turn into a goron and roll and basically race him until you can actually smash him into back, him several right? times yep hit him in the back and then cause damage Ex expose that big old eye on Ex his back <laughs> <laughs> expose that big old random eye that they had to add i wonder if they were doing that just to pay homage to the fact that there's always an eye to hit in zelda yeah, bosses yes yeah, but anyway, Goat's an awesome, yeah, for sure. Goat's an awesome boss. Yeah, I should play Majora's Mask again. Such a great game. It is. <laughs> All right, uh, my number four was Phantom Ganon. So I'll jump to my number three. I, I struggled about putting final bosses on this list because they don't really have a dungeon necessarily to compare them to. Yeah. as In a traditional sense. But I'm mm -hmm. going to put the... Final boss fight with Ganon in Twilight Princess. Because that fight is incredibly epic. It's a, it's no joke like a half hour to play through. Wow. Where it starts off with him possessing Zelda. 
and you fight her with ricocheting the blast back and forth like an ocarina. Um, then he turns into a beast form, and you got to use Minna to like, flip him over and fight him there. And then you go fight him out on horseback out in the Hyrule Field, and then a final fight um, in the, like this arena as just this epic music plays. Like it's just it is intense. It is a cinematic experience essentially. Wow. How have you not finished this game, you punk? I don't know. I don't have a good excuse at this point, but if I were (laughs) to play this boss battle, I'm pretty sure it might be on my list. Seriously, go find a Wii U while the the eShop is still up. So I did find a Wii U a couple weeks ago, but I didn't have enough money for it. It was like a hundred bucks. That's... Not bad. Um, I saw some yesterday. I was at a used game shop, and they were like one seventy five. One seventy five. Okay, maybe a little more. So that's like twelve hundred yen, and I yeah. did not have that on me at the time. And it was also a uh, like a small, tiny used game shop that did not take cards. Oh, so cash only. That's the thing Dang. that you'll see that's a lot. A lot of here. cash to be carrying. Yeah, but that, that's pretty common in Japan. It's a pretty safe country, and people tend to be a little more comfortable carrying a lot of cash. That's just a cultural thing over here. It's different in the States, but... Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to keep that in mind, or maybe I'll have to reconsider and go back and get it. Anyway, number three, Twin Rova. Ooh, on my list. Cool beans. Why? Uh, because it's so cool how you can basically charge your shield with... Fire or ice. Elemental power. Elemental power. And then blast it back mm-hmm. when you're ready. And it's really cool when they're like the original witches, like the fire and ice witch. Um, yeah. What, what are the names? Kome and Kotake. And then you have to blast them <laughs> and you have to aim your shield as it shoots the uh, power out. But it's yeah. really cool when she um, turns into one because you have to like basically discern which one are you supposed to reflect at what point yeah it's just it's such a fun use of the mirror shield yeah which i guess there hasn't really been a mirror shield since wind waker in terms of 3d zeldas and the wind waker fight is just redirecting light at a ghost Mm -hmm. so yeah this is definitely the the best use and that's why the mirror shield was my favorite zelda item as we talked about last week in That's our awesome. item episode. Yeah, man. Um, all right, cool. So my number two was Twin Rova. What's your number two? My number two is Stall Lord. All we right, so our number one's here. All right, mine is the ultimate cinematic experience, at least for me, and one that's very unforgettable, Ganon from Ocarina of Time. All right, yeah, it is definitely epic. Why, though? Tell me. Why? Well, it was my first taste of the Zelda universe, and when I was a young kid at this time, this was about the most cinematic video game thing I'd ever experienced. The music that plays in the background is intentionally deep and dramatic, like a very epic movie. Mm-hmm. And the lighting, the sound effects, everything, it all comes together. Granted, I think the fight is not the most fun for me, but that's not really what makes this 
amazing. It's the whole yeah. atmosphere. It's what's at stake. It's everything that you've put forth to get to this point. Yeah. Um, it's just the sheer cinematic epicness of everything coming together. And that's why I really appreciate this fight and why I still will go back to it occasionally just to experience it. And then at the end, what happens? You're blessed with this beautiful credit sequence that lasts a long time. <laughs> yeah, the credits. No credits live <laughs> up to Super Mario 64, so what's the point? That's true. <laughs> I mean, Zelda's pretty cool. At least Ocarina of Time is. Yeah. So yes, this is, it's an intense fight. Uh, the ring of fire all around you and, and the surprise of like, oh, he's a giant beast now. What the heck? Yeah, and he's like a pig. Yeah, pig but he's man. always been a pig. <laughs> a, bi uh, a big pig. Indeed. <laughs> all right. Uh, so mine in a similar vein is actually Ganondorf from Wind Waker. Okay. And there, this is a multi-stage fight where at first you fight him as like this marionette. Yeah, he's got three different forms as a marionette, but then you have this final showdown with him, just him, on his tower with his dual-wielded blades. And again, it matches that epicness of what's going on around you because his whole goal is, I guess, spoilers for you here, Jake, but, you know, Wind Waker, the ocean, is actually above the old Hyrule. And so he's trying to bring old Hyrule back up. And so... There's this ring of water, because you're technically underwater in this fight, falling down around you in the arena. It is just super intense. And then what really does it, and I'm surprised how intense this is for like such a kid graphic-y game, <laughs> is once you get him towards the end, instead of you know trying to finish him off with hits, you wait for him to attack. And you do a dodge roll, and you roll around him and spring up into the air and plunge the Master Sword through his forehead. And he just turns wow. to stone, like, Ooh. on top of there with the sword and his forehead. He becomes the new pedestal for the Master Sword. Whoa! It is intense. And, I again, play this game, Jake. It is so good, and it is so good on the Wii U. You are missing out. I'm Ooh. tired of telling you. Come, just, just play Wind Waker, Jake. Oh, for the past two years that you've been telling me to do this, maybe I should finally uh, get you my should. act together and do it. Do you say it stopped reading on your, your GameCube? Yeah, like, it will not read all the time. Like, it, mm. it, it'll play normally, but every once in a while it'll say, well, it's loading during a certain screen. It can't read it. But you just gotta commit. Just, Go get that Wii U. It's hardware. You will not be disappointed. Okay, all right. Hmm. Well, I was not expecting it to see. Uh, I was not expecting to see it on sale in public at a random store. So, yeah, th there you go. So there's our top five bosses, and I'm surprised we had three overlap on here. So to talk about some of the others, Jake, let's just kind of let's go through our th the 3D games real quick. So what? Sure. What would be other notable bosses in Ocarina? Notable bosses or uh, sub bosses, mini bosses. Ooh, yeah, you can talk mini bosses too. Uh, so I had a list of mini-bosses that I really appreciated. I guess this could be considered a boss depending on when you fight it, but Dead Hand. Yeah. I really liked Dead Hand. Absolutely. Just the sheer creepy factor, the disturbingness it's, of it. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's the best part for me. And he's a boss when you're young Link, but when you're an adult Link, he's just a mini-boss. Still mm -hmm. creepy, though. 
I love it though. It's messed up. But hey. Yeah. And also um the Gerudo guards. I remember feeling super empowered having to like, you know, sword fight them cuz that's like the only oh. true actual sword fight that you have in the entire game. Like blocking and using a sword and it's it's really cool, you know, the the flipping and the the dodging and the blocking. It just it, it feels cool. I've always liked that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's a good one. I was thinking Iron Knuckles. Ah, um, yeah. Yeah, those those are pretty intense fights as well. Yes, they are. Dark Link is a big standout here because Dark ah. Link doesn't really fit in the Water Temple, but is there. And it just takes you completely by surprise and is one of the biggest highlights of that game. Huh. But again, it's like, why are you in the Water Temple? It doesn't really match. But just coming into that room where it's just like, fog all around you and the lone tree in the middle right there's a tree there right yep and then he <laughs> dropped he drops out of the tree or something and what happens is after you investigate because when you get to that room he's not mm-hmm. he's not there but when you right. investigate the door on the other end of the uh giant room your shadow disappears oh that's so cool yeah and then you don't realize it until you watch a youtube video you know many years later but when you go back to that tree and your shadow's missing, Dark Link is there. That's awesome. Yeah. How, it is and, pretty cool. And there's like, there's no story reason. There's no nope. explanation. It just is. It just is. Uh, another good mini bosses would be Post Sisters throughout ah, the, Sisters. the Forest Temple. Yeah. Do they, they all have to be fought in a unique way, generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to say, I really liked the Dodongos. I mean, I guess they're not really um, mini bosses. Oh wait, no, 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 yeah. not the Dodongos, but the um, the Lizelfoss and the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, from Dodongos Cavern. That's what I meant to say. Right, because those are like sword fights. Yeah, they're they're like sword fights as well. Theory. Yeah, and it's early enough in the game to where it feels epic enough to be cool. Cool. Also, I think their sound effect is just funny. <laughs> as they lunge at you and jump like with insane speed yep um <laughs> the anthrop- anthropomorphic um lizards indeed <laughs> all right so real quick before we wrap up let's talk uh some bad bosses who do mm-hmm. you who are some bad bosses ones that you just hate fighting how do they compare to the temple they're in i can i'll start off with baronade from baronade. Jabu Jabu's belly. I feel like Zelda has done this multiple times where they just got like a big old jellyfish type boss or just something that is kind of formless that you're throwing your boomerang at. Yeah. Yeah. So Baron, it's just like, it's not memorable because it's not really anything. It's like, you know, you can't relate to it in any way because it's like, oh, just big old jellyfish thing. And then on top of that, I freaking hate Jabu Jabu's belly. It's awful dungeon. (laughs) I dread it every time I play that game. It's just, it sucks. Absolutely sucks. Well, Baronade is another spinner. Yeah, another spinner. It spins, like so many. Just like King Dodongo, he spins. Yep, he's got to do his tail whip. And the Fire Dancer, he spins. Fire Dancer. (laughs) uh, I think, mm, it's tough to say. Goma is one that's not very good, just because it's so Mm. early and it's too easy. She's too easy. She is too easy, but it's also a tutorial dungeon. 
Yeah. I would argue that Goma is good because it's a good introduction to the game, but it's also kind of creepy. Like, yeah, a creepy looking boss, but then also, and this took me forever to figure out, you go into that boss room and you just hear the shuffling. Yeah. And you don't realize that you have to look up to trigger the fight. And mm. it's, it's creepy, man. It is. You're right. If only Goma were tougher. And after you've beaten the game so many times, it's kind of disappointing having to well, that, well, that's the slow thing. yourself after down. you've done it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'll say the... Um, oh, Gyorg from Majora's Mask. The Which giant one is fish. that? Oh. The giant fish in the uh, annoying temple that you have to sail the, the, the turtle to. Right. That one was. I don't remember that. Fun. I mean, it's been so long since I played that. Exactly, it's not memorable. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't even really remember that dungeon at all. Yeah, exactly. Because it's and, not. But fun maybe the dungeon's not that good. Yeah, because there's a lot of just like riding currents through the water and yep. things like that. Huh. Riding currents and switching them. <laughs> Obviously, Morpha. Morpha is so forgettable. Yes. It's just like, oh, just grab it with your hookshot and swat it's, it. It's a giant like snake or tongue just of water just, yeah, water appendage yeah <laughs> water appendage like a finger <laughs> yeah uh not a big big fan of bongo bongo <laughs> guess it's kind of a like cool fight but it's a it's a reused concept well maybe this was the first time but shooting arrows at hands and then the center point yeah uh wind waker has a fight just like that too oh bongo bongo though has a cool lore behind it there's lore yeah, there's lore. When you talk to the old man in Kakeriko Village, he mentions how there was a person who used to live on top of where the well sits currently who used to be able to see the truth with a special eye. And through theorizing and different uh, dialogue uh, bits that you hear, you begin to realize that Bongo Bongo is probably the embodiment of who this person was because of the whole like lens of truth deal. Yeah. Yeah, what? it's kind of it's kind of cool to look into. I mean, yeah, the boss itself is not very fun, but it's got a cool lore behind it. Interesting. I had never heard that. Yeah. So the the spirit of a person who used to be able to see the truth and lived where the current well sits. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. Neat. Yeah. Definitely. To jump ahead, Skyward Sword again. I can't really remember this game. It's been too long. <laughs> but when we talked about Skyward Sword with AJ, uh, Imprisoned absolutely sucks. Crappy boss fight, but not attached to a dungeon. But one of the bigger ones that's kind of a, a meme, a joke about this game is Tintilus or Tintulus, <laughs> however you say it. Okay. She is part of this awesome pirate ship dungeon that I really liked. And then near the end, you're starting to escape as like Kraken tentacles are coming through the ship. And so you're dodging these tentacles as you're getting out, and it's like, ooh, what cool Kraken thing am I going to fight? And then up pops this freaking Monster Zinc Medusa-looking Mike Wazowski awful, <laughs> awful boss. Like, it looks like a cartoon character. Like, what, what, what on this? earth are you doing in this, in this game? Are, are you looking her up? Yes, I am. What is this Tent- called? Tentalus. T-E-N-T-A-L-U-S. <laughs> All right. I really have to see what kind of monstrosity this is. Oh my gosh, that is so like, that looks like a Pixar character. Exactly. <laughs> Could have been like so freaking... much cooler. Wow, okay, that's not, yeah, you're right. That's not very epic. <laughs> it looks comical, like a Disney character. Mike Wazowski! 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, step aside, kid. We're in a... I was really disappointed. I remember when I played through the Ice Cavern and I had to fight a White Wolfus, and that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like we've already fought these. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, you've got the the wolf with a crazy howling sound that just sounds really weird for some reason. And it's white. <laughs> Boom. Whoa. <laughs> that's how they sound. Almost literally. Yeah. So I was trying to think, like, are there really any that it's a bad dungeon but is saved by a good boss? And as interesting as that question is, I couldn't really think of any. I've kind of decided that really, in most cases, Zelda bosses are on par with their dungeon that precedes them. Mm. Where, for the most part, they fit. They don't really add or subtract much from the overall experience. Okay. I thought maybe... The Shadow Temple, where it's a better dungeon than boss. I don't know. Or maybe Bongo Bongo's a good boss, but he just sucks to fight. And maybe that makes him a bad boss. Hmm. So I couldn't really think of any. Can you? I actually can. One that yeah? comes to mind right away is the Stone Towers from Majora's Mask. I hated oh. that dungeon. It is confusing as heck. As far as like switching the whole perspective around from top to bottom and bottom to yeah, top. Yeah, it's, it's a long dungeon. It's long and it's annoying and it's confusing. And I was so excited at the very end having to fight, I believe his name is Twin, Twin Mold, Mold, the giant sandworm thing. Mm -hmm. And being able to do so with the giant's mask, that is satisfying. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You turn huge and it's a fun fight. You've got all that power and it makes this whole boring, awful dungeon worth it. Especially, I really liked what they did with Twin Mold during the Majora's Mask remake for 3DS. Uh, I agree. Yeah, because it makes you like, it almost turns you into a kaiju and Hulk. it makes it a kaiju fight. Yeah. Like, your voice gets deep and you're a giant <laughs> and you're moving like with slow speed too. Yeah, I agree. But then again, that's my only experience. I did not play it in its original form. Mm, okay. But I liked it. I thought it was a very unique spin on, on Zelda gameplay. Yeah, for sure. The original experience is basically you turn big into a giant model and there's no like physical effect. Yeah, you're still sword fighting and yep. no difference. Nope, it doesn't feel different. <laughs> you're just big. Yep. Either that or Twin will get small. Who knows? Ooh, I yeah, go. that's a good question. The other one that I think of off the top of my head is the Fire Temple in Ocarina of Time. Didn't prefer it. I thought it was boring, but I thought so, fighting... So you're saying the boss is better than the dungeon? Yes. The okay. Volvagi, I think, the, yeah. the fire dragon. It's a fun fight. Whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, basically. <laughs> and if you ever read the official manga novelization, it's a deep fight. What do you mean? I mean, there's a story behind Volvagia and why Link and him hate each other. Are you, are you going to tell us a story? Yes. Okay. When Link was younger, according to the novelization, uh, the manga novelization, it was a sad, abandoned baby dragon that Link raised as a pet. What? Exactly. And then so... they didn't even realize after they fought that it was the same too. Like, Volvagia was dying before, like, it shed one tear as Link realized, you're the baby dragon that I raised. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that deep? 
That's awful. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm not even sure if that's canon, but that's the story in the manga novelization. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. But check hmm. it out sometime. I actually have part one of the manga. Oh, do I've you? Not, I've never read it. A snap. There's a chance, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's a good place to end our conversation today about some bosses and uh, other stuff we talked about. Mostly uh, console wars. I talked about that for a while. Yeah. But, you know, Zelda bosses and dungeons, they're so iconic and I love them. And I hope, you know, we're still waiting at the moment for the, the sequel to Breath of the Wild. And the biggest complaint about that game, as good as that game is, it really lacks on dungeons and bosses. Really, really lacks. And I hope they improve that. I'm fine with the entire overworld, everything about the open world Zelda I enjoyed. But please put some traditional dungeons back in because you know at the core like that's <laughs> that's everyone's favorite part i want to say yeah but who knows if that's something they'll actually do but give us some good bosses not just these weird incarnations of ganon with no personality give us something <laughs> more please definitely but you're right you're right about one thing cameron the bosses are definitely iconic <laughs> <laughs> That was me laughing, not uh, screaming or choking. <laughs> you hit that one right in the eye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you ever want to contact us, which you should, it's at regionunlockedpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram where we'll post some stuff. Maybe I For posted sure. some video maybe uh, Jake took when he was in Kyoto. What? I don't know. I don't know. Because do I post it now on August 20th where and then people don't understand why I posted it? I'm like, oh, don't worry. Wait until uh, like November when you hear this episode. Whatever today is. Nah. Post it now because this is all about nostalgia. They can watch old stuff. That's the point of this. <laughs> anyway. All right, Jake. Let's get out of here with a sweet spin move. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. <laughs> and may all of your bosses fall before your feet. Mina-san, sayonara. Sayonara.